I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Everyone is Hot, the podcast that talks about your favorite stealth, sex symbols, and the film that turned you on to them. I'm Shelley Brooks. And I'm Michael Stevens. <laughs> and welcome to the show. Now, we've got a very exciting guest today. Michael, would you like to tell the listeners who we'll be chatting with? Oh my God, would I? We have an electrifying guest, the co-founder of Forever Dog, host of Weekend at Bergman's, and the producer of the podcast Double Threat, and almost certainly the most prolific writer at to the Heckler's Flower corporate email, Brett Boehm, everyone. Heckers, but anyway. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, the crowd goes wild. Welcome, Brett. We are so oh. excited to have you. Oh, oh I'm so oh. glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, oh. Speaking of everyone is hot, you both look fantastic today. Oh, thank thank you. you so much. And we are Sweating physically out in hot. New York City. Yes. Oh. Like Albert Brooks in Broadcast News. You oh, God. Sweating and hard, but you look fantastic. <laughs> we thank you so much. Yes, dear oh. listener, it is about 90 degrees in New York right now. And uh, Michael has an AC unit. I still have not gotten one, so I am oh. sweating out my ass. And it Don't worry. I, <laughs> I didn't turn mine on because I didn't want it to be going in the background. Yeah, so, we are worried um, about sound, so we are yeah. both very hot. I have bangs, so my forehead is insane right now. <laughs> <laughs> but we are so excited to have Brett here. I am, you know, fangirling a little bit. I'm a big fan. Uh, so this is, a, you know, a big, a big day for me. Um but Brett, would you like to tell us who your stealth sex symbol is and what movie we're going to be discussing today? Oh, yeah, this is very exciting. And what what a great premise. I got to say, this is one of the great podcast <laughs> premises. I was so excited to to get the wheels spinning on this. I came up with like 100 ideas. I did uh, narrow it down eventually to... <laughs> 
uh, Holly Hunter in Broadcast News, mm-hmm. one of my all-time crushes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's funny because this topic, like when somebody's your crush, you don't think of them as like, like Holly Hunter in this movie to me is just hot, like full oh, stop, yeah. period. Right. Um, but I did, I, 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 as I was going back, I started to figure out this criteria I could apply mm-hmm. to find a person, which is that if they are in the world of the movie, if they are presented as like, like not the hot one in the world sure. of the movie, I figured that that would qualify. Uh, so we yes. have some other mm-hmm. characters in this movie who are like fully established as the hot characters and then <laughs> yeah. as opposed to Holly Hunter. Okay, fine. Um, but uh, that is the world of the movie. So I felt like it qualified. So I'm going uh, with Holly Hunter and broadcast news. And I can't wait to talk about how hot she is in this movie. Oh, we are awesome. so, so very excited. Um, now, Michael, would you like to tell us what the movie Broadcast News is about? Basket Case Network News producer Jane Craig Ballsford, new reporter Tom Grunick, a pretty boy who represents the trend towards entertainment news she despises. Aaron Altman, a talented but plain correspondent, carries an unrequited torch for Jane sparks fly between the three as the network prepares for big changes both the news and both the news and jane must decide between style and substance oh thank you so much michael and i do want to note as we have noted many times on this show we do steal these synopses from imdb and this one was particularly interesting because while it was well written unlike most of the synopses that we use um it did include the user's stanford email address (laughs) (laughs) as like an an attribution so you know i appreciate that it it is a big accomplishment to go to stanford so good for them and it felt (laughs) very apropos for this movie (laughs) that someone included their stanford email address when they did their synopsis <laughs> you piece of shit oh uh, what a delight christmas trees what is their weird mascot they have like a big floppy christmas tree that always runs <laughs> yeah, around yeah what are they uh... <laughs> so brett you live in la correct i live in la yeah, yeah yeah i know nothing about california except what i've seen in movies and things so i just assume mm. every school i'm like it's a tree a bear maybe it's some school what? Yeah, UCLA is a bear. Okay. Uh, uh, Stanford, I think they're like their 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 mascot is the cardinal, but like the color red. So there's no way they didn't go with the Wait. bird, but there was like no way to like represent <laughs> the color red. And for Hold some on. reason, they just went with a big old floppy looking pine tree that just runs around like kind of like one of those things that a car you use car lot that kind of flops around. It's very like vertical, and you can see the oh. person always struggling inside to kind of like control it it's uh yeah it's a total mess no, yeah, I they think, they're, they think they're eggheads up there but they didn't think that mask got through very well yeah can you be an egghead in california is my question because michael and i are east coast trash um and Love it. but i do think that there is a certain like dignity to being trash from the east coast you know and i don't mm. know that that applies to the west coast no you're old school trash um <laughs> i i am I'm, I'm atlanta trash officially i'm trying to like you know um uh figure out what it means to be west coast trash i've been working on it for about 10 years now um but it is it is a lot more shameless and out in the open. It doesn't have the air of, you know, it's not like brownstones. You know, you live in a brownstone in your trash. It's like you live, you know, you 
you live in some weird bungalow in in Los Feliz um, <laughs> and you know wear flip-flops everywhere so it's, it's more like straight up trash um, but uh, uh, I love it I love living out here it's a total mess all the time but uh, I've really grown to like it and New York is never a mess. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, never, place. no, we're good and <laughs> nothing is ever bad. But no, nothing's will, ever bad. <laughs> we will definitely talk about being Georgia trash, though, because I am also from Hell Georgia. Yeah. Holly Hunter is also from Georgia. It's going to be, I'm sorry, Michael, this is going to be an alienating yeah. experience. Oh, my God, Shelly, I didn't know that. What part of Georgia are you from? <laughs> I'm from Flowery Branch. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and Gainesville, Georgia. <laughs> incredible. Yeah. This is so incredible. I did not know that. Uh, okay, we'll get into it. I gotta. Oh, we will. We will definitely get into it. Also, we will get into the subtleties of accents. I think because Holly Hunter mm-hmm. has a very distinct accent, but also I, you know, not to like put the spotlight on you, but you have. I think if someone wasn't from Georgia, they would think you have a very neutral American accent. But as someone from Georgia, I'm like that guy's from Georgia. Thank you, Shelley. You sound like my cousin. <laughs> I've been waiting for somebody to say that for years. Yeah. I get it. My parents are transplants, like most people that lived in Metro Atlanta when oh, I was growing yeah. up. My parents are from Philadelphia. Oh. Um, so, so you know, I don't have like a, a straight up Southern. I didn't have a Southern grandma or something. But yeah. like, but uh, but I appreciate that because I do think there is a little, there's still a nuance to it that qualifies it as a Southern accent. Oh, so absolutely. Yeah. It, it Maybe it's more of a vibe than an accent. Thank but, you. But I get I'll it. I get it. it. I'll take whatever I can get. Yeah. Um, so, Michael, before we get into our, you know, main discussion, we do like to play a little game, do we not? Oh, my God, we do. It's time to get ready for the sexy trivia game. Ooh, yes. Oh, there we go. Ooh. There we go. Yeah, baby. All right. <laughs> it's time to get the listeners real slick with some movie chatting with a little bit movie trivia. <laughs> I'll kick us off with uh, number A. <laughs> Albert Brooks revealed that when he first read the script, the scene where Aaron does a weekend broadcast simply noted something bad happens to Aaron on the air. Albert was watching CNN when a reporter he'd never seen before and hasn't seen since began sweating badly. Albert phoned writer and director James L. Brooks at three in the morning and stated that Aaron had to start sweating profusely. Oh, what Michael, nice that touch. was so hot. So, so hot. Do you mind if I take on number B? I don't mind at all. Thank you very much, Michael. William Hurt is only seven years younger than Stephen Mandillo, who played his father. Damn. Mm. That's some real The Graduate ain't Bancroft shit. They did that a lot in the 80s. Yeah. I think that in North by Northwest, Cary Grant and his mom were the same age. Holy moly. Don't we love that? Mm. It's nice to see it happen to men. Now, Brett, (laughs) would you like to take number C? Oh, is it my turn? It's your turn, baby. It's your turn. All right. Well, Mark Shaman, the Emmy Award-winning music composer, appears in this movie as a news theme writer. And most importantly, the editor's note, by the way, 
the composer of the song. He's the composer of the songs on the classic television program Smash. Oh. Yes, and Brett did a beautiful job of that, even though when I wrote it, it was nonsense, and the grammar was <laughs> off. <laughs> really making it right on the fly. So thank you, Brett. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, my pleasure. Just like broadcast news, you know, it's it's everything's moving fast. You just got to yeah, get yeah. the deadline. I get you. I got it. I got oh, it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, that was a true delight. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. And I will say we all need to give a lot of credit to Mark Shaman because Smash, as we all know, is the greatest television show ever made. So uh, yeah. if you have not watched Smash lately, check it out. It is a, a real experience. <laughs> <laughs> now, OK, so let's get into our movie of the day broadcast news directed by james l brooks now so how did you first encounter this movie brett i was trying to trace that back i i first saw it in college and i think um i had seen i had recently seen network for the first time Ooh. and was obsessed with network and then was just looking for like similar uh looking for similar type uh, right. uh movies mm. and so quickly came to broadcast news uh it's a, a little like you know softer in tone than network but there's a lot of similarities there so <laughs> a little uh, bit. but <laughs> yes yeah but all of that was like thrown out the window as soon as holly hunter comes on the screen right. and i was just like in you know just enthralled and like and and um yeah and i'd seen you know i knew i was a big fan of hers from from raising arizona which mm. um came out the same year as broadcast news. So this was obviously a huge year for Holly Hunter. Um, but I, and I love her in raising Arizona. I, I was, I was very excited with broadcast news though, to see her have kind of a bigger, more expansive role uh, that wasn't as kind of limited. I mean, she's, there's something, you know, a little harder satirically about raising Arizona. So the character is a little more comical or a little more um, kind of exaggerated. But yeah, getting to see her just really fucking go for it and broadcast news and be to me the main character of the movie was was fantastic and mm. and so yeah so right away I was like I'm glad I got here via network but I'm no longer like worried about that <laughs> like I'm now I'm just all about Holly Hunter's performance <laughs> in this movie and I remember watching it yeah like a couple times in a row like the first week I saw it um, and just like every look and gesture she makes just just kind of like living in that world um mm. and yeah ever since i keep going back to this movie you know pretty pretty regularly is one of my favorites well that actually that raises like a question that i've had because i'm a big fan of your podcast speaking at bergman's um Thank you. and yeah and so you are both someone who runs like a comedy podcast network um and you also based on that podcast alone, it seemed to be someone who was like very well versed in film. So I'm wondering like what your background is with film and with comedy and like how you like came to sort of like marry those two, like with your podcast. And I think also, you know, with this movie that is like clearly a, a really well-constructed piece of cinema, but it also is like very funny and comes from James yeah. L. Brooks, who is, you know, a comedy legend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I mean, every like, just like very. I, I didn't study any of this or or kind of have like a professional background in it. Um, I um, I've been obsessed with movies since I was a kid. That's just a lifelong obsession. Um, and partly because I was, you know, I was 
it was it was always like the the lure of something that I wasn't allowed access to because I, I you know grew up in a very religious restrictive household and so it was oh, very right. which we'll get to when you the question oh. about like my first movie crush was very <laughs> hard for me so I can't I think I came up with some answers but like because it was just something that I just did not have access to but was just fascinated by and mm. so and so ended up kind of um uh experiencing it early on uh experiencing it mostly through like uh magazines and whatever i could like like sort of glean from entertainment tonight or like so because i wasn't allowed to see the movies themselves <laughs> so i kind of came through it through this back door and was just fascinated by the world of movies before i got to see a lot of movies and then um developed when i was a teenager developed some real like solid strategies of deception and so then just started like binging tons of movies uh on the dl without without my family knowing uh and there's like i even remember like this like moment where like the, the classic moment where your dad like finds uh <laughs> playboys under your mattress and it's like what are these uh but in my case it was like boogie nights and eyes wide shut on vhs <laughs> and he's like what are these <laughs> I was like, they're cinematic classics. That's what they are. Uh, so I've um, I, I've yeah been just very into movies from a young age, and then just just kept that going throughout my life. Um, and <laughs> so I have no claims at any professionalism. I've I've never you know no you know thank God had like because <laughs> <laughs> neither do we. <laughs> oh God. And it isn't it better that way? It's so much better that way. Oh, so uh, um, it's for the love of the game. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. And so luckily. Um, uh, was just able finally because I remember when we start when we wanted to start weekend at Bergman's Joe and I and uh, we're just like 10, 10 episodes in it's very very uh, early uh, but Joe who is also like a lifetime movie fan where we looked at yeah. each other and we're like can we just like do this like we yeah. don't have any like like cr like credits or anything we're like let's just do it it'll be fun it'll be like a weekly at the very least it's just like a time for you and your friend to sit down and talk about movies which which I'm sure you <sighs> get you know and it's yeah. like the, yeah. the catharsis of it and just the weekly uh, experience of it has just become like the favorite part of our of our week mm. um and uh comedy i don't know we just like <laughs> we you know uh uh started forever dog in new york like 10 years ago mm. um joe had a lot of kind of connections in the comedy world he went to nyu and so kind of have a, had a lot of connections there uh Believe it or not, there was like kind of a big vacuum in terms of podcasting in New York about about six, seven years ago. And so it was just really good timing. We started the company there and we were able to get some good shows off the ground and then expanded it to L.A. Uh, about, about five years ago. Um, so, yeah, we just we've just kind of have been lucky, um, have kind of worked hard at it. Um, yeah, but uh, still, still Georgia trash at heart, uh, despite <laughs> all of that. So I can assure you. <laughs> no, and I, I mean, you know, I can very much uh, relate to coming from like a you know conservative background and kind of like yeah. finding movies on your own. So I'm curious, like you mentioned things like Boogie Nights that you were watching when you were younger. Like, what were the kinds of movies that you were consuming? Because I, speaking for myself, because my parents weren't like movie people, I kind of yeah. got away with seeing a lot of stuff when I was like probably too young it's like yeah, probably yeah, shouldn't yeah. be watching last tango in paris and i'm like 13 but like <laughs> but my parents don't know what it is so i can rent yeah. it from blockbuster <laughs> like, wow <laughs> I, well and this is where i sorry no you're y'all really had to like sneak stuff yeah. oh for sure <laughs> there's a bit sure. of sneaking yeah <laughs> oh my god and this That's is where a, I got ugh. I got messed up because my this is was such a bad my because my, my dad was like very restrictive but was like a big 
he was a big fan of movies and would read mm. all about them. He didn't like he didn't think that I should be watching anything that was like remotely, you know, had anything to do with sex in it. What? Uh, but <laughs> I know, no, it's it's insane. But uh, <laughs> but he knew a lot about. So I had to really yeah. like get tricky to like get around uh, him. And so um, so I was but I had by the time I got to like basically when I got a car, then it was like game on. And then I, I would literally like I would literally skip class and go to like matinees at like noon like when, yeah. when i got a car i was just like f that was like the big you know um <laughs> unleashing and i had been like obsessed with movies for so long that i had just a full list of everything i wanted to watch and so like mm -hmm. so i would go to blockbuster hollywood video load up hollywood them video respect, yes. watch them on like <laughs> the little you know vcr tv combo that was like 12 by 12 inch screen <laughs> yes <laughs> watch it on that um which i remember the first time i, I got like a movie in widescreen i was like oh i'm gonna try in widescreen and i was like oh no this is a bad idea so I'm, <laughs> just like looking at it like it was like an envelope right. slot it's insane um but so yeah so I, I i remember just like going watching all of scorsese's movies yeah. and then doing paul thomas anderson and doing the coens and like yeah, I just had a full list, and then as soon as I was able to, just started just started blasting through it, and was just like, finally. Oh, and it, everything was yeah. as good as I. It was better than I hoped it was going to be. It was like it mm. was just like such a, yeah, uh, such a great experience. Um, but it, and it was kind of fun. I'm not gonna lie. It was I'm not, it was kind of fun to do it like under the the you know, aspect sort of, of secrecy <laughs> is like yeah. definitely like exciting. Like it made it For feel sure. like you got like contraband. <laughs> like was, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Now, Michael, yeah. your parents are like kind of cinephiles i think that's fair to say i mean they're people that like movies for sure and yeah. uh my dad was kind of like when i the second i turned 11 for some reason he's like oh you ever see uh you ever <laughs> see magnolia and i'm like no <laughs> no it's like oh you gotta watch magnolia <laughs> so we'd watch magnolia um my I, my brothers are also like big into movies so you know i was the third kid like we had uh, in their room, like a whole drawer full of dub tapes from Hollywood video. And so <laughs> I got, and I was homeschooled. So I would just watch their tapes when I was done with all my schoolwork. And then, uh, yeah, once I got to high school, I worked at a library and had access to everything. So yeah, um, over the was, course of this podcast, yeah. we're slowly getting the lore <laughs> of like Michael's movie education, which is like, Michael being like two weeks old and their dad being like, we're going to watch Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, then did you at any point do the like reverse rebellion thing where you kind of rebelled against their like good taste as though, or, or, or did you just, were you just like cool to like adopt what they were, you know, uh, did you just immediately like, oh, this is great. Yeah. Thank you so much. I don't, I can skip <laughs> the like rebellion thing. I don't, I, so I definitely, I don't know if I had, a rebellion phase i did have a, a i guess a moment of rebellion um in 2002 i think whenever signs came out um my dad really wanted to see signs and i was scared of aliens and so i was like let's see master of disguise <laughs> and so we saw master of disguise and i remember the first time i think that was the first and only time my dad's ever like felt shame <laughs> about me <laughs> No shame there. Aliens are scary as fuck. They were there was like there I was the the one that killed me was Fire in the Sky. I watched Fire in the Sky at a friend's house. I also haven't mentioned Friends Houses, which was another refuge of like early movies yeah. watching, obviously. But yeah, I watched Friends uh Fire in the Sky with was it DB Sweeney? I can't remember who was in that, but like yeah. oh, there's so much like 
goop and viscous and oh it was just like that movie Horror scared the I will say for Master of Disguise that I think that there is a, a Twitter trend. I try not to look at Twitter, but it does feel like film Twitter loves to reclaim um, kind of shitty movies, uh, mm. you know, every few years. I think Master of Disguise is due for a reclamation by Twitter. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> After Master of Disguise, We're all going to lie to ourselves and say Master of Disguise was really good. All those movies were good. <laughs> oh, man. So with broadcast news... I do think it is full of hot people, um, but in a very, to go back to the East Coast, West Coast thing, it does feel like a very sort of like East Coast hotness that everyone's like very human looking in a way mm-hmm. that like seems yeah. to not be so much the like LA thing. Did you notice like when you went from New York to LA that like there was a sort of like difference in like perceptions of like who's a hot actor? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. There was like, I mean, like, who is the prototypical New York hot actor? I don't know. Maybe like a Pacino, uh, maybe. Yeah, Pacino or uh, yeah, like that. Like, there's definitely uh, like people like the hot people in New York have like shadows under their eyes. And they're <laughs> oh yeah, busy and they're frantic. And yeah. Like, and there's like a there's like a bruised romanticism to mm. them or something like that, um, which is very sexy. Um, yeah. And then. Yeah, and then in LA, it's just like created in a lab sexuality. It's like Gross. it is just like it is just like uh, like such a ten that you begin you begin to be suspicious of like where it all came from and like what like you know it's like it is just like it is it is it is extraterrestrial hotness. Um, Teeth are too and, white. Ugh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then there's like other varieties of it, of course. I'm like, you know, it, that, that's a very like that's a, at the same time like a very stereotypical view of, mm. of LA. I mean, there's there's a lot of different types of LA hotness. Um, and you know, there's there's you know the Laurel Canyon hotness. There's <laughs> you know, uh, there's East LA hotness. There is there is uh, you know uh, Los Feliz Silver Lake hotness there there is there is all types of LA hotness uh, yeah. and I, I celebrate them but that would be the stereotypical if we're dealing in kind of yeah the stereotypes of the coast and we are yeah yeah we and, are yes and and we that are. is what we do uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I will say as a um, washed up uh, actress I did hear in a rehearsal room or, or not uh, an audition holding room one time. Uh, some people talking about uh, a friend that they knew who was an actor who had moved from New York to LA and they're like well he's Italian so he's a little too ethnic for LA oh get the (laughs) which is the most insane thing I'd ever heard god (laughs) I was reading about this actually yesterday about the kind of um like eugenics white supremacists sorry to get really no la has a real tradition like one of the original presidents of usc uh was just a straight up like aryan eugenicist and like uh predicted that la was going to become like the aryan capital of the united states Insane. um and yeah so it, it is not like <laughs> that is uh, nothing happens you know coincidentally that was like a very intentional thing early on in la um and uh Ugh. you know um uh, luckily that you know other sort of neighborhoods and parts of LA had other things to say about that but yeah uh, for but sure there was, was a real drive early <laughs> on uh uh to make it yeah this just like Aryan paradise oh god uh, it's insane. insane and know? it does god. seem to be like reflected in like New York movies versus like LA movies like and I, I wonder if part of it is that like it seems like more people from like 
the Midwest go to like be actors in LA. And then like a lot of people in New York who like come to like work in the film industry are like coming from the tri-state area, like where, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, I feel like New York has its own like weird stuff about like identity. And it's like, you're Italian or you're Jewish or you're in everyone is like, so like, dug into their identity but it yeah it doesn't seem like it's got that same weird sort of like no eh, for sure yeah. yeah yeah like i think like the i mean the the the, the most oversimplified way of putting it yeah is like ever like the hottest person in your graduating class goes to la to be an actor <laughs> and like the most creative person in your graduating class goes to new york to like yeah figure it out uh, or something right. so it's like yeah um but who knows you know all sorts of people go all sorts of places but i think those i think that all works as a general as a general template of the coasts i think that all that's fair yeah, yeah. <laughs> well to, to take a little you know left turn so what is it about holly hunter in this movie that is like so appealing to you Great question. I was trying to figure that out, um, and because it was so instinctive at first, um, it was literally you know just every single thing she was doing, uh, from her <laughs> voice to her gestures to the choices. Uh, it's the kind of thing where, and I'm sure a lot of people on on the show do this, where the character and the and the actor are just fully conflated for mm, me. Yeah. So I'm like I'm 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 as much turned on by the like performance that I'm seeing, like the, mm. the performance Holly Hunter is giving. Uh, as much as like the character that's ultimately created by that performance. Um, and uh, it was just such a singular and unique um, performance to me. Um, I think there's a couple things that I think I can lock in on. Uh, the The first is that I was like thrilled that the character was from Atlanta uh, <laughs> and, and, and Holly Hunter is from, uh, from Conyers, which is outside of Atlanta. And actually Shelly, I don't know if you remember, did you watch, uh, did they make you watch the Lost Children of Rockdale County in high school? No. That that documentary. Okay, so, so we, <laughs> we watched had to October watch. Sky uh, in every class, but we never watched that. <laughs> oh, <that's nice. laughs> There's a documentary uh, that we had to watch called the Lost Children of Rockdale County, and uh, Holly Hunter went to Rockdale County High School. Uh, where they had a massive syphilis outbreak um, in the in the eighties and nineties, and so and so I think Holly Hunter had gone and had graduated by this point. But like when I was going to high school, this one high school just had such a massive syphilis outbreak, it became like a study. Like they had to study it because it was oh like something God. happened here oh that God. we can that we can learn from. Um, and so when I yeah when I saw Holly Hunter went to Rockdale County High School, I was like I was like oh that, that the lost children of Rockdale. Like oh she's got syphilis. <laughs> yeah, she must have had syphilis at some point, just statistically. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was, and I think they they you know, looped it into some hammy, uh, poorly executed um, safe sex conversation. Yeah, but it course. was like, oh, yeah. but it was mainly just that it was like a two hour documentary that someone could turn on and, and leave the room for. And so that was kind of like our sex education. I remember was just watching the lost children of Rockdale County uh, and laughing every time they said syphilis. But uh, uh, so, but, but beside that, sorry. So we're talking about why I'm attracted to Holly Hunter. Uh, so, so, uh, <laughs> I love that she's. I love that she's from the South. I love that she's from um, from Atlanta. Um, mm. I loved the thing that I would, would start with is her like crying scenes in this movie are yes. so Go. fascinating and so like <laughs> and are so like uh, just because it's 
it it like the the trope of like female crying in movies is something my wife and I always talk about mm-hmm. or, like when we're watching a movie and it's like the the person like doesn't know what else like the filmmaker doesn't know what else to do and it's just like <laughs> all right we'll just have the actors cry here and then we'll like that'll like create the emotion and like and, and then have the actor look kind of stoic and like he's trying to cry but he can't and it's just like so like the trope of female crying is one that I don't have a lot of like patience for yeah. um uh but this is like so it flips that whole trope on its head so much where mm-hmm. it is such this like cathartic like like um it because she always cries like in isolation she just like mm-hmm. is like she she it almost is implied that she it's part of her schedule during the day like she yeah. unplugs yeah. the phone at a point <laughs> yeah. she cries she cries like like and we're talking like hard yeah. <laughs> like, like loud like with like widows on the beach they're like they're like <laughs> lover lost like at an sea. italian like, grandma italian <laughs> grandma just like the hardest loudest sobbing and it comes out of nowhere and then it's gone in a split second yeah. uh, and so it does seem like some sort of therapy some sort of catharsis um mm. but it's totally like self-determined mm. um and she does it so powerfully and and it's funny too like everything she does in this yeah. movie is so funny um so those crying scenes i was just immediately like i want to know everything about this person and this character um it's so, so that funny. was the first thing that compelled me yeah yeah, it's so funny that you say that because literally i was watching this last night with um I, you know watching as we do i guess like in distance and covid era uh you know watching it and texting with my friend angelica bastian who's the uh, one of the critics at uh, New York Magazine, and we were mm. talking about her crying, and that we think that she's like one of the like best like criers in movies. Because like I had earlier in the day watched that uh, scene in in the car in Raising Arizona when she I like love starts, them so yes, much, yes, <laughs> and it's like she is able to achieve this like perfect so balance where it's like it feels genuine, but it's also yeah. still funny and natural and like yeah it's it's so easy to like overdo it or make it feel false or make it too much of a bummer but like yeah she finds such a great balance yeah it's like someone who's not ashamed of crying mm. crying it's mm-hmm. like because you know it's not like a tempered crying or like oh i'm sorry i'm like oh i can't believe i'm crying it's someone yeah. who's crying, yeah, like, yeah. crying from the bottom <laughs> of their being it is it is so intense and like yeah, and I love that it just it, it, again raising Arizona the same way. It comes out of nowhere, and it's mm-hmm. like zero to sixty. <laughs> yeah. It's such a fascinating move, and yeah. I yeah, I love it. It's kind of her signature move. Right, <laughs> it's the right. Best, the best. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, but I interrupt you. You were you were going to go on with more reasons why she's hot, <laughs> which we oh, want to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny as I'm doing this because I feel like to me, like hotness, sexiness, like it's very closely related to just being like. Um, compelled and interested mm. in someone. So a lot of the, like, so the yeah. fact that she's, yeah, like the crying, I think was hot for me, which is, I don't know how to like, but just because I was so interested in, and like, and like uh, simultaneously like amused by it and interested in it and just like, and just was so impressed by the performance of it. Like, so um, I will say also, I mean, her look in this movie is is, is very interesting. <laughs> it is like the, the like longest skirts and like biggest sweaters you've ever it's seen. It's my in your favorite. Life. Yeah. yeah. How, how did you describe yes. that brown dress, Michael? Um, doo-doo brown. Doo-doo brown uh, <laughs> dress. Um, LOL at her doo-doo brown dress. The exact those are the exact words. I I love her look in this movie. I love um and also like combined with the fact that she's wearing just like yeah the 
biggest, biggest, like just sort of, <laughs> I guess like comfiest. I don't know even know how yeah. to describe it, but it's like big comfy clothes. But then it's just like moving at like a hundred miles an hour all the time. So she's like, so it's like she's like flapping. Like every time she comes yeah. on the screen, because the <laughs> clothes are so big and she's moving so fast, it's sort of just this like she's kind of flapping around and these clothes are Little flapping bird. around. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, and it is like. I just am again, I'm just like, fuck, this is like so hot to me. And I can't right. really like, yeah. So I just, yeah, I love her look. I love her energy. Um, yeah. Uh, I love like, just like line reads. Like when she's, um, she's in the, the best, I mean, to me, one of the best scenes in the movie is when they're trying to cut that tape uh, for deadline. And like Joan Cusack has to, I mean, speaking of Joan Cusack. Also, Joan Cusack. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. Um, Joan Cusack has to run it uh from uh you know the editing room to yeah. like the distribution room or whatever um and where she's you know there's a guy like a, a tech guy who's like editing it for her and he and and she's trying to get him to go faster and she just keeps saying his name over again she's like bobby 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 and she just keeps saying bobby over and again and i don't know like how many bobbies were in the script if she just like if it just said like say bobby until we tell you to stop but she just like she just keeps finding like new ways of saying Bobby, and it's very yeah. funny to me um, when she says. Uh, when <laughs> she keeps like there's William Hurt is her love interest, as as you said in the, mm. in the summary. Um, sort of, you know, it's a love triangle, but like yeah. the the guy that she just like wants to fuck basically is kind of my, yeah. like she's physically attracted to William Hurt, yeah. um, and in a way that's implied that she's like never been physically attracted to anyone before. Like <laughs> it's like the physical attraction combined with this just like delayed sex that they never have is just like driving her crazy and <laughs> um and but he had you know there's another woman that he dates for a little bit and then she runs into them outside of that restaurant and they're leaving and they kind of do a thing where it's like well we'll stay and like hang out with you and of course this character one thing i love about her is like no bullshit she's like no we're not gonna i'm not gonna fucking third wheel it with you two yeah and then she's like i'm just gonna go and have a burger and they're like we'll join you and then she turns and she goes i know how to have a burger by myself and then goes in and i was like that is just oh i could not be more in love with this character um but yeah that's yeah. yeah i love that she does like i mean something that i find so attractive about her in this movie is that she does the weirdest line readings like she does like a little like turn that you would not expect like something that i i keep thinking about is her reading of the line at least i'm upset about it folks yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what a weird emphasis but it's so perfect and it makes her so sort of like singular like everything she reads it's like she like chooses like a weird word in the middle of the sentence to be like and she's like this is what i'm doing man yeah <laughs> she's like i noticed that too and i love it and i think it's a little bit of just like holly hunter's style but then i mm. think it works so well for the character because it's a character who is just delirious 24 7 because yeah. they are working so hard and so they're just in that like state of delirium all the times so where everything everything is just kind of like yeah it's kind of weird throw a little fucking weird thing on this and this <laughs> right. and like and then like there's one, yeah like the way she's one time just says I'll get my coat I was like Holly it just says I'll get my coat <laughs> like what are you doing what are you I'll get my coat <laughs> yeah it's just a just adds the weirdest little touch to it yeah. but it's great there's no wasted dialogue every line she finds something in uh, yeah she's the best well it's so funny that you mentioned Joan Cusack earlier because me and Michael and I have been talking about Joan Cusack over the last few days because uh, like I watched My Blue Heaven for the first time recently and like she's so tall and so beautiful but like what makes her like interesting i think is like partially that she's got this like kind of strange voice and she does these kind of weird 
line readings. And I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, as someone who is constantly horny for character actors, like I, I do think mm-hmm. that like that's a huge part of the appeal that like they do things you don't expect, and you're like, whoa, oh my god, they like, they made a choice. So. Oh. <laughs> A hundred percent. I think I've like, I've always been, this is, this is like, yeah, this is one reason I love, absolutely love the premise of this podcast. Cause I've, I'm the same. I've always been attracted to, I don't know if it's like, I, I don't know if this, how this is going to come up. I don't know. I've, I've always like been <laughs> attracted to like underdogs. I've never been yeah. like, if you're like, are, are like at the, t- like you're successful and you've got power, God bless. I don't give a shit about you. Like I've always like, <laughs> right. always been like attracted to underdogs. And so I think like I was always attracted to, yeah, to like characters in yeah in movies character actors and this and that like mm. who was where's like the spotlight not going and then but you're also yeah. right like this per, like character actors are always doing the most interesting things they're always making the most interesting choices mm-hmm. uh they arguably get the better material to work with um yeah. and and no but 100 percent the same way I've, I've always been like drawn to the yeah away from the a list and towards the uh yeah. the, the lovable b list and c list and do you feel like that's been like a part of like running a podcast network because it seems like a lot of the shows that you have are oftentimes like queer people character actory comedians like it does seem like that is like kind of like built into the the brand of your network oh for sure yeah no no stars allowed on forever dog <laughs> no 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 a-listers um uh, and that's definitely our choice. We did it. We we chose that. Um, uh, no, but yeah, that is like, um, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's just where, t- to me, all the most interesting um, content comes from um, and the most original content. Uh, and like you're saying about it, all comes down to what you're saying about Holly Hunter in this movie. Uh, it's just that's where that's the people who make the most interesting line reads. That's mm-hmm. the most, you know, in a, in a broader sense. That's like, I think, uh, outside of the mainstream, outside of the A-list. Um, you just get better line reads and a better line read means there's more nuance. There's more complexity. There's, there's like uh, a, a, a context shift. They have to be like, wait, what is what's happening here? Like what, like it, it makes you pay attention. Um, so uh, yeah, hundred percent. That's, that's where I've always had the most interest. As y'all talk about line reads, it's making me increasingly aware of my attraction to uh, Mrs. Incredible. And now I'm remembering, <laughs> Oh, that's Holly Hunter. <laughs> oh my so, god yes yes uh, oh my god the and voice. would you say um oh yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you, you did take a sort of mathematical approach to your attraction is that is that correct michael i did because um holly hunter white woman from the south very attractive <laughs> however i i have um i want to examine my bias i you know a little scared um, I always start off a little scared. Um, so I did track my attraction throughout the movie just to see, you know, what's what's going on here. Um, mm-hmm. Because I definitely thought uh, Holly Hunter, interesting choice. Um, <laughs> but um, so her first appearance, um, I tracked that at a uh, 6.5, which is my average attraction to most people. Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then doo-doo brown dress, same, you know, she made a poor, uh, she's an attractive woman in a, in a doo-doo brown dress, totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't really uh, peak until uh, she, do- there's that scene where uh, Tom is reading the, William Hurt's character is reading the news and she's saying all the words and she's like, that's good. That's good. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Um, we hit 10 there. Um and then when she's uh, packing the Trojans, 
um, while also lying to her her coworker, her friend, um, uh, Albert Brooks's character. Um, I track that as a, at a ten as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so throughout the film, we're just going upwards. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really dip until the the very end, the the epilogue of the film, where she gets that uh, new haircut and um, the mullet. Oh, yeah, boy. which yeah. you know she looks fine. <laughs> Um, but it's just not what I'm used to in this character. Um, I will say good dress, bad hair. Great dress, you know. I don't want to, I didn't want to say that it was a bad haircut because, you know, Mm. maybe she's, you know, I'm engaged in the reality of this film, you know, maybe she feel good about Mm. it. I don't know. Um, I tend not Mm. to have strong opinions about women's haircuts. Um, because you're an ally. As an ally and a bald person, um, I don't know. I don't know what that life is like. Um, I also think there was some like uh, it's like there's there's got to be some rule about flash forwards too, where I was like, do they think this is what like hair is gonna look like in the future? Like, yeah. like what was, like, what was I think there was some like I almost like don't count that even in either. You know, I, I'm just like they were doing some weird flash forward thing. Yeah, there. it's like a sci-fi like, scene. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like in the future, everyone will have stupid hair. <laughs> Speaking of hair, I gotta say I do appreciate that the like hot sex idiot in the movie William Hurt yes. he's a guy with a receding hairline That's very nice. nice you know yeah. he would never be the hot sex idiot in a the movie these days right uh probably not probably not because yeah, he like I I do I, I even like begin to like lose focus when people get too hot where I'm just like I don't I can't right? even, I don't know what's happening yeah. here yeah he does feel like a little a little like more relatable than like the hottest hot guys in Hollywood. Like he's yeah. being presented yeah. here as like a total hunk, which in the world, in his world, I'm sure he is. Yeah. Um, but there is something like, there is something relatable about William Hurt's look. He doesn't seem yeah. like, off the, like supernaturally hot. It's a kind of relatable hotness. He's not like a Chris um, Hemsworth type, you know, he's right. just like yes. a guy. He's just yeah. a guy. He, he's just a, uh, yeah. He's a guy and who's white and tall, you know? That's it. That's it. He checks a couple boxes. Um, I do think Albert Brooks was done fairly dirty in this movie. <laughs> he really was. He really was. Yeah. He was I man. like that sweating trivia though, because it seems like he was maybe complicit in his own. Yeah. I'm sure he delight. I'm sure he was like delighted in how yeah. in like playing just the schlub or like the unattractive guy in the movie. Um, but but come on now, I don't know. He's, no, all, they... everybody's hot in this movie. Yeah, they did him wrong, and and I also you know watching this like I. I first watched like half of this movie many, many years ago, back in the days when I was a Woody Allen girl. And mm. for uh, fairly obvious reasons, I'm not a Woody Allen girl anymore. Um, right. But it does seem like there is a thing of like, you're a Woody Allen person or you're an Albert Brooks person. And mm-hmm. I think as I've gotten older and wiser, I'm like, well, yeah, be an Albert Brooks person. Like, because he does seem to have more of the self awareness. Also, he hasn't done like sex crimes, and yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent think... same. Yeah, I've had the same trajectory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was, was obviously you know a huge Woody Allen fan in in high school and college, um, and uh, and then and I like I mean the big question is if I almost I wonder if it would have happened anyway, regardless of Woody Allen being a monster. Um, right. It is very hard to go back and watch Woody Allen films now with just like, yeah. a, with, you know, without that context. Yeah. Um, but the Albert Brooks films, when I discovered those, I, I kind of was like, Oh, these are like 
better Woody Allen films. Like I kind yeah. of like, <laughs> I almost yes, think that might've happened regardless. Um, Cause I, I had the exact same thing. I'm, I'm just, yeah, obsessed with the, with the Albert Brooks like filmography now. It's so, it's and, just so amazing. Yeah. And he's made fewer movies. And I think that that's mm-hmm. for the better because like Woody Allen just kind of like churns them out. Um, yeah. But also I mean like watching them like from the perspective of like, how do they think about women? Like it is interesting mm-hmm. watching them like side by side. And it's like, the older I get, the more I'm like, God, Woody Allen really doesn't like women that much, even no. though he's like kind of famous <laughs> for like writing like complex women's roles. And Albert Brooks, I think like in his movies, like has like real sort of like pretty egalitarian relationships and like good roles for women and doesn't seem to resent them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Woody Allen never like failed to remind us of the fact that he writes really good roles for women. I mean, I mean it's definitely <laughs> like you can tell when someone is like, yeah, I think doing it and like conscious of doing it. And it's like, aren't I writing a great role yeah. for this actress? Yeah. Whereas, right. whereas someone like Albert Brooks is just writing character and scene. And, yeah. and, and, and I think you just naturally get that more egalitarian uh, thing when you're just like, you're just writing for the scene and writing for the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, yeah, with Woody Allen, it seemed like, you know, he's like, he's just like trying to build an alibi. Over time. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Look, this old shrew is complicated. <laughs> she read Kierkegaard. I yeah, right. Honestly, God, Woody Allen references so many books and I'm like, I don't think you really read that. <laughs> come on, come on. I don't believe it. <laughs> on a lighter note, so you, you referenced earlier that, you know, we were going to talk about uh, your first crushes. Do you remember what your first movie crush was? I did off the top of my head. I didn't have one. I had to go back and I, and I, I've got a couple for you. Um, and I realized in going back that my, like my, like 91 to 93 was like my time, baby. Mm. That's when I was like, <laughs> I was like getting turned on left and right. I was like, I was like really, really get like getting some hard crushes. Um, but it was all based, this is so sad in retrospect, but it was, it was all based on just like movie posters. It like wasn't based on the actual <laughs> nice. movies. Uh, yeah. So like all of these are like iconic, like uh, movie posters that I saw and was just like, oh man, I bet she's really sexy in that movie. <laughs> and, so, and so, um, and you know, to be fair, confirmed on a lot of these, uh, sure. having seen them, um, um, so I've got uh, Christina Applegate and Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, uh, where she's like leaning on the porch, uh, <laughs> she's like black crop top and jeans, and just looks so hot. Um, I, um, I mean, this this one surely has come up before, but Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns. Oh, um, done. Is yeah, a big it's coming. Yeah, Michael yeah, sure. will definitely have some oh, thoughts yeah. on that. <laughs> Right. I mean, and that went beyond the poster. That was a movie that was there were certain movies where I like felt like I had seen them because they were so ubiquitous in the culture. uh, And you like, you know, they're in your they're your Happy Meal toys and there's there's commercials every every five seconds. And like so that one, I felt like I had a bigger exposure to still did not see the movie. But uh, (laughs) uh, but so Michelle Pfeiffer and Batman Returns and then watching it. Uh, you know, years later, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's right." Yeah. The money um, <laughs> before and after the whole character. No, before, no truly there. before. <laughs> yes, right, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, the big one, though. Well, there's two. Are right, two two kind two ones here? Like the. Uh, um, well, this was a little bit later, but uh, uh, 
uh, Angela Bassett and waiting to exhale where she's walking away from the exploding yes! car and she has like the la- lingerie top on. Good God. Like whenever that commercial came on, I was like, it's just a, com- it's just a commercial. Surely I can watch this commercial. Um, that I have such a distinct memory of. That's a little later. I think that was 95. But all right. But two more for you. I'm sorry. This is, this is, this no, is a lot. No, go on. Um, uh, uh, Bridget Fonda in Point of No Return. You remember that movie? Where she's like the hit, she's like a, a, like a uh, assassin, Um, uh, but she wore, and it's absurd. But they like she for some reason in the movie was like constantly wearing this like black mini dress, almost like a kind of like a little black dress, like a Chanel thing or something. And she's like running around with a gun and like jumping into like jumping out of windows and things are exploding. Uh, But there's something about Bridget Fonda in that movie and the poster. She's like kind of uh, has her back to you and she's like looking over her shoulder and it's just she's like in shadow. It's like so hot. It's insane. Um, (laughs) And then the other thing I could watch was I could I was allowed to watch the Oscars every year. And so I also have distinct (laughs) memory of Emma Thompson at the 93 Oscars in uh, like a greenish dress winning for uh, Howard's End. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. had such a, she definitely like kickstarted my love of, you know, I don't know what you want to say, eccentric British actresses or yeah. like British actresses <laughs> with, with, the, with the kind of, with, with a vibe. Yes. Um, and so, uh, those, those are all like, I, cause I, I went back and combed the archives of the internet for those years. Yeah. And those, th- these were the ones that jumped out to me as like, oh yeah, that was a moment. That was a moment for me. <sighs> that is Amazing. Yeah, what a time no. to be alive. What a time yeah. to be alive. I, mean, God, I was just being listen. born around that time. That's, that's Yeah, uh, yeah. Was gonna, yeah. I was <laughs> truly becoming alive around that era. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time for sexual awakening. It yeah. was a good, you know, even just the posters that, yeah. that, did, that did the trick. And just the, the era of the video store. Because, I mean, oh, my yes. God. I, yes. It was a bit later, but, man, when I saw the covers of Margaret Cho's stand-up dvds and blockbuster that was a real major moment for me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh gosh well so when we talk about movies we like to come up with a pairing uh that we would recommend sometimes it's a specific actor a specific performance sometimes it's just the movie in general um michael do you have any thoughts of what you would pair with broadcast news so I didn't think too hard about this, but um, right when I started watching the movie, I was like, oh, this is like a classic, um, <laughs> like a like the Superman love triangle. But if uh-huh. Superman and Clark Kent were two separate guys. Um, so <laughs> I would definitely pair uh, that one because as everyone knows, Superman is uh, a uh, popular journalism uh, focused film the film and uh yeah i i would definitely pair that one um with this one um shout out to margot kidder who um another beautiful busy reporter type Mm. which i love was on was on my short list i will say margot kidder was on my short list i think she's too a little too maybe conventionally attractive but she really True. like but i don't know though because like i had thought about black christmas which margot kidder's yes. doing yep. so good where she's not she is kind of the presented as like the second hottest person yeah ever, right. you know? <laughs> um but uh no but what a i mean what a tremendous tremendous very, very similar to holly hunter i think mm-hmm. and just like yeah. an absolutely unique approach to 
to performance and like film acting. And, yeah, and they've got the like the Rosalind Russell thing. Like they are yes. like screwball ladies who yes. walk really fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that. That is a great oh. choice. Yeah, mine um actually is going to be a covert plug for Brett's podcast <gasps> um because it's nice synergy success. Um, oh yeah. Obviously, yes. Tony Curtis is a beautiful-looking man, um, but he's almost like a little too beautiful. And I love in Sweet Smell of Success that he looks like a sweaty little rat guy, which is like <laughs> kind of my type. Um, so yeah, and I think it's a fun pairing with Broadcast News because Broadcast News is about um, people who care about ethics and journalism which is the opposite of the sweet smell of success. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's a, a fun, like very positive look at people trying to do a good ethical job in their career. And then uh, the absolute gutter of people who are just trying to make money. And it is uh, deeply depressing. Uh, but, but I think it would be a fun pairing. <laughs> Those and are both phenomenal pairings. Excellent. <laughs> um, yeah, I love it. That, the, both amazing double features. Thank you so much. And so uh, a last little game that we like to play uh, is sometimes we'll do like a little little trivia game, uh, a little quiz game. And uh, I think the defining characteristic of it when I am the one who plans the game is that the questions are phrased in a way that is long and meandering and confusing and bad. I so like this. <laughs> no, I like this. And good, I would say. Thank you so much. I would say well-intentioned. <laughs> I'm just doing my absolute best. Oh. Um, so in this game, I will read out a question. Um, if you want to buzz in, just say your name. The first one who does it gets to answer and I will maybe keep track of who got the right answers and who didn't, but I may, maybe won't. So, and then you'll decide <laughs> we'll who wins. See. Right? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try to, and then I'll decide who wins. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I feel like we know who's going to win because one of us, uh, you know, is here every week and one of us is a guest. <laughs> so, <laughs> We are doing a journalism in movies quiz. Now, all of these questions are giving you a very um, vague and not very helpful description of a movie that is about journalism. And you have to guess the title. Very nice. So, yeah, gird your loins and we're gonna get going. All right. <clears throat> Question number one. This 1981 film is one of the great American leftist films and was written by, directed by, and stars one of Hollywood's most legendary handsome sex Brett. doofuses. Red. Uh, Reds? Yes! Uh. <laughs> that is Reds, directed by Warren Beatty from 1981. And just to add a little trivia, in case anyone doesn't know, he did coin the phrase, what's new, pussycat? Because that's what he would say on the phone to women he was trying to fuck. Oh, oh wow. Oh, Warren. Wow. Oh, Warren. I love him so much. I love Reds. 
he's a and big beautiful Jack idiot. Ni- <laughs> Jack Nicholson plays Eugene O'Neill. He does. Isn't that and, wild? Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> I've got some yeah. very strong opinions about how Jack Nicholson is really good at playing a smart guy. And Warren Beatty is really bad at playing a smart guy. And those are derived mostly from the movie Reds. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> Number <eyebrows>. two. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a very long clue. So just, you know, <clears throat> get ready. Okay. This film includes a performance from a Canadian actress whose Malibu home facilitated the Coke-fueled meetings of legends back when, and I quote from a Guardian profile from a profile in the guardian spielberg was still an overgrown teenager who could barely dress himself scorsese was bloated by the cortisone he took for his asthma schrader was still a confused misogynist de palma was still a plausible studly coxman counting the notches on his bedpost and milius was still the -the over-the-top blowhard surfer raconteur he remains to this day and again that is a canadian actress in in a 1978 film Come on, Michael. Oh, 19... A screwball actress, might one might say. 1978 film. Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. She was My, really I, can super I, in the role. Oh, uh, uh, Michael. Michael. <laughs> uh, Margot Kidder. Yeah, Margot Kidder <laughs> and Superman. And Superman. Oh, God. <laughs> I did ask for this question to be asked. I you totally did. forgot. And it was a very well phrased question that was not confusing at all. God. So. I got oh. lost in those director bios. I got, I got lost those in need the, to be the new yeah. official bios. Yeah, those was incredible. Yeah, the anecdote. Yeah apparently, I... yeah, apparently Malibu at Margot Kidder's house was uh, really Holy fun moly. in the 70s. Was Everyone was doing okay. lots of Coke. I started thinking and, like Angelica Huston for some reason. Oh, ooh, I mean. To be fair, it could be any actress in the 70s if we were saying yeah. a lot of people did coke at their house. So, <laughs> number three. This 1986 film from a major American political filmmaker is about a journalist covering a Latin American civil war and stars the brother of a beloved SNL comedian and also stars a huge right-wing piece of shit. Oh, okay. This oh, my is... mom's favorite actor is in this movie. Um, yeah, so this oh. is... James Woods is in it, and it starts yes. with an S. Oh, never mind. S. Never mind. Does it start with an S? Uh, or, it does. Oh, is it like Salvador? Yes! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is Salvador, directed by Oliver Stone from 1986. <laughs> True okay. to my roots, I can see the cover of that movie in Blockbuster. I can yes! visualize. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen the movie. I can totally see the cover of it. Oh, it is uh, a movie that is very interesting starring an actor who is very good and also a person that i hate very much anyway so, uh, he, he might be the hardest of them all because god oh, damn it he's so good videodrome oh uh, he, god, he's Casino? so good Come and he's on. so bad yes like, he's so good and he's so bad and oh, also like i love acne scars so like i am horny yeah. for him and <laughs> it breaks my fucking heart god damn it oh. okay final question this 1976 film garnered an Oscar nomination for a six-minute performance from an actor that once squealed like a pig in a different classic film that is probably not promoted by the Georgia Tourism Board. <laughs> I've been to that park or delivering. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 
So a six-minute performance by John Voight. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, not, not John Voight. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ned Beatty. Oh, mm-hmm. Net- Network. Network. Yes! yes. Oh, yeah. Network yeah, yeah. from 1976 yes. by yes. Sidney Lou Met. <laughs> that was so good. I'm sorry, Michael. No, Love it's, it's all right. It's, it's got to go to bread. It's, and by I mean, your prize is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to say uh, Beatrice Strait, Beatrice Strong. Yes. Beatrice Strait or Beatrice also nominated for a, uh, I think one for a, like a basic mm-hmm. uh, three minute uh, scene in in network. So that, oh. that's the classic like short scene uh, movie. Uh, people yeah. just nail in short scenes. If you just come on and yell for a couple of minutes, then like you yeah. got an Oscar, baby. Come up and get your award, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was absolutely beautiful. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to have to wrap things up. But, Michael, would you like to uh, tell people where they can reach us? And we'll also ask you, Brett, like where people should follow you, where you're going to have all of your exciting projects. Oh, well, if you want to follow us on social, then you can follow us on all social media platforms at Everyone is Hot Pod. That's every number one is hot pod yes and brett where can people follow you oh uh well you can uh follow my podcast weekend at bergman's we have uh, new episodes every friday uh where we're pairing a uh, art house film with a mainstream film around some similar theme and then judging which one is better and the one that is not as good we can never watch again for the rest of our lives which is a ridiculous premise we came up with um and so uh new episodes every friday you can follow us at weekend bergman weekend bergman uh on the socials uh and follow forever dog podcasts uh as well that's forever dog team on the socials at forever dog team uh we got 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 a lot of great shows over there double threat um podcast the rye black man can jump in hollywood household faces would might be a particular interest to, to listeners of this podcast that's where uh john ross bowie talks to character actors oh um, my we god we actually have steven root coming on next week so that's a very we're very excited for that episode <laughs> i can't um, wait so yeah that's a great that's a great one too so thank you so much for having me on i had an absolute blast uh this is such a fun show uh and yeah i really appreciate you guys having me on yeah, we are so, so grateful that you came on. This was so fun. Also, yeah. as I said in the beginning, I am a huge fan. Weekend of Bergman's well, is great. If you <laughs> are so not much. subscribed, subscribe now. If you don't follow Forever Dog, do it. Get Forever Dog Plus. I do. It is great. Um, but yeah, this has been an absolute delight. So thank you so much, Brett. And Michael, what should the Little Sugar Things do uh, every day going forward? Remember to stay horny. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.